Go with me to uh, Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. We kind of started this theme last week. And uh, God, of course, is the one that extended it to this week because it's his word. But there's a unity of theme between Exodus 22 and 23. And then towards the end of Exodus 23, um, Towards the end of Exodus 23, then he again changes gears, and we'll address that next week. But, uh, um, Alan, do me a favor and check on Sharon. She might be having vehicle problems, I think. We'll see. Um, Exodus chapter 23, in verse 1, the Bible says, Thou shalt not raise a false report, put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do either, neither shalt thou speak a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. Neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause. If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. If thou see the ass of him that hateth thee lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. Uh, thou shalt not rest judgment of thy poor in his cause. Keep thee far from a false matter, and the innocent and the righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise, and perverteth the words of the righteous. Also thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for thou know the heart of a stranger, seeing ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. After, uh, and six years thou shalt sow thy land, and gather the, uh, in the fruits thereof, but in the seventh year thou shalt let it rest and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat. And what they leave, the beasts of the field shall eat. In like manner thou shalt deal with thy vineyards and with thy oliveyard. It says, Six days shalt thou do thy work, uh, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest, thine ox and thine ass, that thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. And in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect, and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in a year, thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded thee, and in the time appointed of the month of Beeb, uh, for in it thou camest out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty." And the feast of the harvest, and the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in thy field, in the field, and the feast of the ingathering, which is the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors of the field three times in the year, all thy male shall appear before the Lord God. Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. And the first of thy first fruits of thy land shall bring thee bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not make uh, thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. Let's pray. All right, Father, we do love you. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We just pray that you'd help us to understand the unity of thought. Father, help us to know that these are Old Testament principles, but they can be applied uh, very aptly to our lives today. Father, do be with those who are apart from us. Lord, some are traveling. Uh, Father, still yet to come. We just pray that you'd bless this day for your glory and honor and praise. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what we've seen here so far is that um, God gave all the laws. He gave the Ten Commandments, okay? And if you will, it's not just about the laws that are given. 
It's making sure that you execute the laws. How many of y'all think we need more laws in this country? And please take this the right way. What we need to do is we need to act on the laws that we have. I think most of us in this room would probably agree that we probably need to get rid of a few and just keep the, <laughs> you know, just keep the ones. Uh, and, and I will tell you, this is the time of year where you appreciate the fact we got too many laws. Because anybody here that does their own taxes? <laughs> Can I just tell you this? We uh, were taught in high school how to do our taxes. And a long form was two pages. Any of y'all done your taxes lately? <laughs> If you have less than 20 pages, you, well, you got her made. Amen. <laughs> it's just crazy how many pages it takes to do that. We've got too many laws. And so if you will, God says, not only these are the laws, but here's how I want you to execute them, okay? Because laws are open to interpretation. And you know there is the letter of the law, there's the spirit of the law, there's abuses of the law, okay? And so God says, just in case you're unclear, let me tell you how to execute my laws. Okay, and so that's what he's been doing in the last two chapters, okay, and last week we talked about what we talked about, and, and I don't want to rehash it for sake of time, but uh, he continues on that theme into chapter 23, and so the first thing he talks about in verses 1 through 3 is the perversion of justice, and there's a lot of ways to pervert justice, okay, and he addresses all aspects of it, I believe, okay. So the first thing is he says, don't, don't, trust, don't be a false witness, okay? Verse 1, look what the Bible says. Uh, he says, uh, excuse me, he says, Thou shalt not raise a false report, put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but just my opinion, I think if you lie to hurt somebody, you ought to face the suffering of whatever you were going to cause in that person's life. Uh, what, what, has that been a theme in our lifetime? Listen, you gotta, uh, you got to remember, uh, any of y'all remember being in the 80s? Okay. I don't mean in your 80s, I mean living through the 80s. <laughs> okay. um, one of the things that they had was recovered memories. You guys remember that? They would, people would go to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist would say, well, your problems are because your dad abused you when you were a child. And uh, the, the dad would say, I didn't abuse that them when they were a child, and, and you would find out that the, it was actually the psychologist that was implanting false memories into these people, and getting men thrown in prison. Please take this the right way. You say, well, I made a mistake. No, you did something exceedingly wrong. You should pay for that. You understand that? And so God says this. He says, don't allow for a false witness, okay? If somebody comes and lies, they ought to face that same penalty, okay? I, I really do think that. I mean, I think God is, is teaching that here. And so, if you will, he talks about a false witness. So I'm not going to delve on that. I think we're agreed on that. He also talks about not engaging in mob justice. Notice what the Bible says in verse 2. He says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude so, um, uh, to do evil, neither shall thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. Okay, well, we've certainly lived in that in, in our lifetime, even recently. Literally, we call it railroading somebody, don't we? When you take and you convict an innocent man or you get a guilty person off. And listen, I'm not try, trying to be political here, and, and I'm sure I don't know all the details of the case. But some, some of you all remember, you know, I think it was four years ago, that George Floyd case. And the police officer might have used excessive force, and, and he certainly did. Uh, if, you know, I mean, he was convicted, he's in jail for it, so he certainly did if he's, he's convicted for it. 
But they made George Floyd out to be the, an innocent victim. George Floyd was not an innocent victim. He was, he was high on drugs. He was a thief. He was a, he was a violent criminal. And uh, so to take and to call him a, 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 an innocent victim is just nonsense. Uh, some of us remember the, the Los Angeles riots in, in, in the 80s again and, and all those uh, things that took place because the mob rose up and we want this and we, can I just tell you this, it's wrong. Right is right and wrong is wrong and it doesn't matter how many people want something, if it's not right to take and to pursue it, don't pursue it. And so God addresses these issues, uh, you know, long before we even knew that they were a problem. Of course, God knows the end from the beginning, amen. And so he says, don't perverse judgment, don't pervert, pervert judgment by false witnesses, mob justice, or even... Um, by excusing the disadvantaged. Look what the Bible says in verse 3. In verse 3, the Bible says this. It says, neither shall thou countenance a poor man in his cause. Meaning this, just don't say, well, they were born into a poor society and, oh, they have these disadvantages. Please take this the right way. Good people raised in good homes do bad things. And bad people in bad homes do bad things. Okay. It's all a person's heart. By the way, you guys ever seen some of the success stories in life? I will promise you this. If you read a lot of biographies of successful people, the most successful people usually come from dysfunctional homes. And it, uh, you, all you got to do is read it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not letting any cats out of the bag. Sometimes the more dysfunctional the home, the more successful, successful the person. And so we're all responsible regardless of our circumstances, okay? And God is saying that. He said, just because a person's poor, don't excuse their thieving, okay? And if you think about that, you remember God had a way to deal with that, all right? Um, you guys ever read uh, oh, Crime and Punishment? You see any th literary people here? Crime and Punishment? The whole book's about a man who stole a loaf of bread to feel his fam feed his family and how a cop chased him for most of his life. And my whole point is this, is, is uh, uh, why, even God said this, he says, people will forgive somebody for stealing to feed their family, okay? You can understand that, okay? But what was supposed to happen if somebody couldn't pay back what they stole? Do you remember? We talked about it last week. What's that? They were sold into slavery, okay? And you say, oh, how terrible. no. Actually, it's a great institution because instead of going to jail where they just sit and go, listen, I don't know if you know this, a lot of criminals call jail college. What that means is they learn how to become better criminals, okay? And so the whole point is this, is rather than throwing them in an institution or, you know, having to kill them, which would be terrible, um, they're sold into slavery and you say, oh, how awful. No, no, they got a place to work. By the way, instead of learning how to be a thief, they learn how to work. By the way, the Bible tells us that the, the sleep of a, of a working man is, is precious, amen? Talking about it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing to be able to work hard all day and go to bed tired, amen? And at the end of six years, the Bible says they were to go out free and to give them such things as they had need of. Meaning they left with clothes and they left with a, if you will, a, a, a job skill, if you will. They, they left with a place to live. They left with some support. Y'all understand that? And so you say, uh, well, no, no, he did that because he was poor. And, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, he did. And so he's going to be sold into slavery for six years and he's going to work. And by the way, if they would have done that, everybody would have come out at better people. Society would have been better. 
uh, we talked about loss and restitution last week, so I won't go into that any further. But uh, they didn't need those who were not impacted by their crime to diminish the necessary consequences. What do we call those kind of people today? Who, who, are, who are saying, well, you shouldn't persecute, prosecute people for these and these and these and these crimes. By the way, it's gotten so bad in big cities that you can literally rob a bank and be out on the street the next day or that day. You guys understand that? Is there something wrong with that? Okay, what do we call those people usually who promote those kind of things? What's that? Appropriated money? Oh, reprobate mine. There you go. There's probably something to that. I'm not trying to be name callers, but you call them bleeding hearts, right? Oh, we're so sorry. And God says, no, 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 they did something wrong. Make them pay. Make them pay. And, and, and so if you will, uh, God is saying don't pervert justice. If they do wrong, punish them as criminals, okay? Don't take and have a mob mentality. Don't railroad somebody. Don't cut somebody some slack. And by the way, there's always room for grace. I preached that last week, okay? All right. The other thing he talks about is taking advantage of other people, okay? Now, any of y'all ever have had a bad day? <laughs> okay? And notice what God says here. Because, anybody know what karma is? Karma is, is and I'm, I can't remember if it's Buddhism or Hinduism, please forgive me. But it's basically what goes around comes around. Meaning this, that if you do good things, good things are going to happen to you. And if you do bad things, bad things are going to happen to you. And if that is true, can I ask you a question? How many of you all have read the book of Job? So bad things do happen to good people. Okay? And how many of you all love everybody you meet? Anybody? <laughs> now, I know we're supposed to love everybody. All right? And we're not supposed to, uh, if you will... We're not supposed to hate anybody, but let's be honest. We get along with some people. We, you know, we don't get along with others, okay? And, and, and so, if you will, uh, that's just a natural course of life. Do you realize this? God understood that was going to be the nature of man. By the way, how many of y'all have ever not liked somebody that you've never met? Am I the only one? I, I was watching racing the other day, and, and my kids, are, I said, I root for that guy. And they said, why do you root for that guy? I said, I don't know. I just picked him <laughs> I like the color of his car. And I said, I don't like that guy. And they said, why is that? And to be quite honest with you, I don't like him because I don't like the color of his car. Okay. <laughs> All right. And we're watching. I really hope the guy in my color car beats the guy in the other color car. And we can have some nonsense reasons for not liking people sometimes. And to be quite honest with you, a lot of times we don't like people we don't even know. We don't even know. Okay. Well, God addresses that. Notice what it says in verse 4. The Bible says, If thou meet thine enemy's ox or his ass going astray, thou shalt surely bring it back to him again. How many of y'all, when your neighbor you hate, cows get out, you're like, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Okay? You know what God says? Don't do that. Don't do that. I'll show you why here in this second, okay? Verse 5, the Bible says, If thou seest the ass of him that hateth thee, boy, that guy hates me. Why should I do anything nice for him? Okay? The Bible says, Lying under the burden, and wouldest forbear uh, to help him, thou shalt surely help with him. He says, Listen, help that guy. 
Well, for one reason, why? It might be your turn next time. Amen? But can I tell you the, the real reasons? Go to Proverbs chapter 25. Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves here because we're always coming back. Proverbs 25. In verse 21, the Bible says, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. You say, well, that's an Old Testament principle. Well, I knew you were going to say that, so would you go to Romans chapter 12, please? Romans chapter 12. And look with me at verse 18. And notice what the Apostle Paul says. And he's talking about our motivation here. He says, if it be possible. I don't want to point anybody out. I'm going to point you out. Is that okay? Go like this. I honestly think we've been praying for this family for decades with a neighbor that will not get along with them. You guys understand my point? Notice what it said at first. If it be possible. Okay? Hey, we've tried. We've done this. We've done that. Okay. God doesn't say if it be impossible. He said if it be possible. Okay? Uh, again, uh, uh, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. If it's possible, do it. I always tell people this. I can get along with anybody if you try. I can get along with anybody if you try. Well, that's what it's saying there. He says, if it be possible, live peaceably with all men. He says, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Listen, if they're a bad neighbor, God will get them. How many of y'all believe that? I do. And by the way, sometimes you don't know how God's getting them. And at the very least, if you didn't get them anywhere else, you're going to get them at the judgment seat of Christ or, or the great white throne judgment. Amen? The Bible says, uh, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome evil. Say it with me, but overcome evil with good. You see what God's saying? He's saying we can turn this world around if you just don't have to get back at that person who mistreated you. And why? You guys know this. You hurt my finger, so I'm going to hurt your thumb. You hurt my thumb, so I'm going to take your hand. You took my hand, so I'm going to take your arm. And isn't that the way life is? It's constantly escalating. And God says this, if it be possible with you, do all you can to de-escalate. Why? Because that's where wars come from. Folks, they've been fighting wars for hundreds, if not thousands of years, in the same place we're reading about it in the news today. Why? Because they just can't de-escalate. They're always escalating. Okay? And so if you will, God, God says don't take advantage by refusing to help your enemy. Also, refuse to participate in injustice. Go back to our text. Okay? Refuse to participate in injustice. All right? Um, uh, verse 6, for the poor and powerless. It says, thou shalt not rest the judgment of thy poor in his cause. Meaning this, just because a guy didn't have a money to hire a good lawyer doesn't mean he should go to jail. Y'all understand that? I mean, he understood that. He's saying just because a person's poor, 
or powerless, don't take their justice away from them. Matter of fact, uh, stay here and I'll read it myself, but in Psalm 82, 3 is where I'm going. Psalm 82, 3. See if I thought I could turn faster there. The Bible says, uh, um, in Psalm 82, verse 3, the Bible says, They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel be no more in remembrance. Meaning this, listen, God says, listen, there was a time when you were poor and powerless. Okay, so I don't want you to take advantage of the poor and powerless when you're in power. And you can tell a person's character, folks, when you give them power. You can tell a person's character when you give them power. Because they're going to take and say, hey, I can do what I want now. No, you can't. Okay, God says don't do that. Don't take advantage of the poor and the powerless. Also, don't falsely accuse somebody. Back in our text, look what it says in verse 7. The Bible says, keep thee far from a false matter. And the innocent and the righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. Meaning you do it that way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. Okay? I'm going to get you. And then look what it says in verse 8. Refuse to be bribed. The Bible says, And thou shalt take no gift, for the gift blindeth the wise and perverteth the words of the righteous. How many of y'all think that uh, uh, money buys judgments? I think they call that Congress. I, I'm only joking about that a little. You guys know what happened to ex-congressmen? Anybody know? They become lobbyists. You know what lobbyists do? They bribe people to get what they want. Any of y'all think they've passed a few laws that aren't good for our country in the last decades? Well, somebody paid for it so you would blind their eyes. And can I tell you who's buying most of our politicians today? And I'd have scare you to death, but China's buying... And by the way, Saudi Arabia. China and Saudi Arabia are two of the biggest buying our politicians. You look at some of the judgment, you're saying, that doesn't benefit us. Yeah, well, look who paid for it. Follow the money, okay? And so if you will. Um, you know, God will ultimately punish those who steal justice. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, go there please. Deuteronomy 16, look at verse 19. Deuteronomy 16, verse 19, it says, Thou shalt not rest judgment, thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the, of the righteous. By the way, how many of you are pure from this? You would never do that. Boy, no hands. Uh, we were watching um, the Welters play basketball the other night, and I, I kept uh, thinking I'd like to be a referee. I think that'd be fun. And then I realized that I'd be a terrible referee because anybody that bumped into Cadence, foul! <laughs> okay. it's, I mean, it's hard for us sometimes to remember right is right and wrong is wrong. And sometimes it's, it's very, because of our biases, it's difficult. A lot of people are going to be watching a football game today, and there's going to be a controversial play, and I guarantee you the color of the uniform that you are rooting for will determine your judgment about which is right or which is wrong. <laughs> okay? And so it's just a natural human feature. It's natural for us to want to take a side for somebody that we like better or something like that. And God says, don't you do it. 
If you see one of yours do something wrong, call it out. Call it out. Okay? And, and, and so if you will, uh, 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 I, I've got other illustrations, but don't worry about it. Um, and by the way, the last thing he says, look at verse 9 back in our text. And the Bible says, Thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for ye know the heart of a stranger, seeing ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you probably ought to treat other people well. Why? Because next time it could be you. That's exactly what he's saying with that statement. And so, if you will, if you, if you generate an environment where people have that, that sense of right and wrong, and it applies to everybody, and, hey, I did wrong, I'll take, my, you know, I'll take mine, I'm not going to try to get out of it, okay? Um, then realize this, just, well, I'm in power, nobody's going to make me pay. Well, okay. But let me let you in a little secret. There's always somebody who's more powerful. And second off, of course, God is more powerful. And he's going to say, you better remember, you were strangers at one time. Just because now you're the ones who have the strength and the power and the opportunity, uh, don't let that mind get into you, okay? When he's talking about executing how people live with his laws, okay? And so he talks about perversions of justice. He talks about taking advantage of others. And then he begins, if you will, talking about the Sabbath laws. And I'm not going to talk about too much. But in verses 10 and 11, if you look there, he talks about the Sabbath for the land. And he says, every, seven, every six years, do your crops. Okay? But on the seventh year, don't plant any crops. Okay? Why? And for any number of reasons, number one is, the land belongs to me and I told you to. All right? But then he says, here's my purpose, is I want you to give your animals a rest, I want to give your servants a rest, and I want to give the land a rest, and I want to give the poor an opportunity to eat. And how were they to eat? They were to go into the fields that were left fallow, and to go out and to glean and, and to make their living. By the way, you say, well, people are going to take advantage of that. People are not going to take advantage <laughs> of having to go glean their living. They're going to go glean their living in desperate times and pray seven years from then they won't have to do that again. You guys all understand that? You know, we, 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 uh, we can, we need to be careful, of course, about being hard-hearted, but we also need to be careful about being soft-headed, okay? But then he also talks about verse 12, Sabbath for the staff, okay? I already, already talked about that. But uh, Sabbath for the land and then Sabbath for the staff. Now, in verse 13, real quick, okay, he talks about now, when we talk about all the commandments, what's the very first commandment he gives? He says, he says, Lord, your God is one Lord. Have no other gods before me, okay? Now, that might sound like a simple command, but how many of you all think it actually has meaning and benefit and purpose, okay? And so God, if you will, explains it a little bit, right? Because he talks about how that you are to honor God, right? By the way, uh, one of the commands is to honor your father and your mother. Can I ask what that means? What does honor your father and mother mean? What's that, respect? Yeah? Okay. What's honor? Trust him? Yeah. It doesn't mean give them a plaque. I mean, it sounds silly to say that, but 
Can I, can I tell you this? I think honor your father and your mother is far more nuanced. Because we say, well, respect your mom and your dad. I think it's more than that. I think it's have a plan for them when they get old. Hey, they took care of me. I'm going to have to try to take care of them. Now, the Bible does say that it's, you know, it's an honor for a man to give an inheritance to their grandchildren. So you should have some things and take care of yourself if you can. But, but uh, things happen, and we know about things like that. And so honoring is, is more than respect. And, and, it's, and uh, please take this the right way. How many kids get out and start having their own family and say, oh, I ain't going to raise my kids like my parents did because they blah, 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 right? And then you wonder why your kids don't turn out. <laughs> Okay, well, why? You didn't honor mom and dad. We talk about this all the time, but, you know, don't expect your kids to love church and go home and have roast pastor. Uh, I only use that as an illustration. It's the same thing. It's don't expect your kids to respect you if you don't respect your parents. You guys understand? And, and, and so, if you will, um, honoring, okay? That's what he's talking about, honoring. It's, it's more than just obeying, okay? And so, if you will, look what it says in verse 13. The Bible says, and in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect, okay? By the way, that's a good word to meditate on, okay? And make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. Now think about this. He's saying, not only should you not have any other gods, don't even talk about the other ones, okay? Meaning, how many of y'all think that you ought to think twice and speak once? That would be a good definition for circumspect, okay? And so anytime you think about, uh, I'll give you one, is, um, is uh, it's not as popular now, I hope, because I think people have seen it. But about 20 years ago, there was a, a comedian, one of his punchlines was, OMG, okay? And so everybody picked that up, and everybody's in their text, OMG, OMG, OMG. And I, oh, time out. Do you know what OMG means? They said, well, I'm not, I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain. Absolutely you are. You're using it as a punchline. That's the definition of taking it in vain. Amen. Okay? And so, if you will, he says, think about this. Not only should you have no other gods, but don't even talk about those other ones. Why? Because it gives them credence. If you acknowledge that it's possible that they're, they're true or right or real, somebody might say, hey, follow them. Say, no, there's only one God. Follow only him. And, and, and so, if you will, he, he's talking about that, that, that honoring, if you will, knowing the importance of the first commandment. Don't even talk about other gods. Just talk about the one. And then know the importance of keeping the feast. Now, I won't go through all of them, but in verses 14 through 17, he talks about their meaning and their purpose, and then God's purpose, okay? In ver verse 17, notice this. It says uh, this about the feast. It says, three times a year... All thy males shall appear before the Lord God. Why? Because I want you at the feast. Well, I don't understand the importance of the feast. Okay. Well, what do you want me to do since I don't understand? I want you to go to the feast. Well, what should I do every three years? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a big expense. Okay. What do, you, what do you want me to do? I want you to go to the feast. Okay. So much so that he made, he, made, he made it so that if you were unclean and couldn't attend a feast, he made it so that you could have a makeup feast. Okay. How many of y'all know that? You could do the Passover a month later, okay? Why? Because it was that important of a feast, amen? By the way, is salvation the most important thing? Don't miss that first feast. Okay, and then notice who he said to do it. He said, all thy males. 
Well, folks, who are the males? They're the heads of the home. They're the ones responsible for loving their wives and teaching their children, okay? And so he wanted them at the feast. By the way, what was the most important reason he wanted every male all the time at every feast? Come on, there's one big reason. They never knew when Christ was going to show up. But they knew Christ was going to show up at those feasts. Read the book of John. It continually talks, he went to this feast, he went to this feast, he went to this feast. Amen? Okay? And so God said, I want you to be there whenever the Christ comes. You can see him. And then know the priority of the sacrifices. We'll be done with this here. Uh, he talks about verse 18, no leaven, meaning the sinlessness of the sacrifice. Uh, in, in the second half of verse 18, he talks about the completeness of the sacrifice. He says, burn the fat. Unless you think, well, that's no big deal. I, I, I don't want to burn the fat. Uh, read about uh, Eli's sons, about how they took the, the meat raw, and God said, I'll, I'll judge them, I'll punish them. And he did in a big way, okay? When God says do something a certain way, he has a meaning and a purpose for it every time, okay? Uh, then in verse 19, it talks about the picturing of the preciousness of the sacrifice, meaning what? Look at verse 19. It says, uh, it says, the first of thy first fruits of the land shall, am I reading the right one? Yeah. Uh, he says, thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's, excuse me, the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Meaning this, he says, guys, before you take any to you, bring the best to me. Why? Come on, it's obvious. Folks, Jesus Christ is God's best. He says, I'm going to give my best. I want you to give your best so that you know what I'm giving you. Okay? And then the third thing, the fourth thing he says is, is picturing the uniqueness of the sacrifice. What do I mean by that? In verse 19, he says, don't seethe. What's the, what's the, the kid? In the mother's milk. Folks, that was a pagan way of worshiping their gods. They would boil the child in the mother's milk, okay? And it, it's, it's a horrendous thing, okay? But if you ever read a theology book or a commentary, quite often they'll say, well, God copied this, and, and God copied that, and God copied this, everything. Can I let you in a little secret? God didn't copy anything. I'm going to let you in a little secret. Jesus Christ was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The only one doing any copying is the devil. And so even if he has something that might seem older, he's copying something he knew was coming, okay, if you will. And so God is basically saying this, well, this is how the whole world does it. We'll do it this way too. And he says, no, no, no. You do it exactly the way I told you to do it and don't copy them. Why? Because they have their, their perverted meanings. Mine are the righteous meanings, okay? And so if you will, we'll be done. Next week we're going to take and we're going to look at God's game plan for taking them into the promised land. And so we'll be done here. Thank you.